Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Arsaholics podcast. Um, I'm Raj. Thank you for all those who wrote in and said you preferred me as a host. So we are sticking <laughs> in with me as a host as a result of the amazing feedback, but also because um, Mize is on holiday in Spain. Mate, and, your, uh, your dog writing you a fake letter doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks to my dog for the <laughs> And uh, yeah, yeah. So Mize on holidays. Connection may be a bit, maybe a bit patchy. So just in case, uh, we thought I'd host. We've got Aaron in and and uh, he's in his local location of of very tropical East London. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, Mize in Spain. So um, guys, firstly, like, how are you guys? Are you guys well? Yeah, as well as can be given the circumstances. Yeah, I think I've been quite lucky because obviously, like you said, I'm I'm away at the moment, so I was able to kind of switch off from the game a little bit uh, after the result. Um, and, and just, just distract myself with other things and, and lots of beer and cocktails. So I guess I'm in a bit of a good position for the next couple of days until I get back. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, all... I actually, no, I take it back. I'm not okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not okay. I was going to say, wow. Well, like, like, yeah, yeah. like, are, you, are you okay, Raj? No, I mean, to be honest, I think it's the end of a bank holiday weekend as well, right? So that's yeah. kind of sad. Um, having to go back to work tomorrow but it didn't help starting off the bank holiday weekend well starting off i guess it was saturday um you know early kickoff getting absolutely yeah. annihilated um and annihilated i think is probably generous um you know we we we, pre- we previewed this game uh, none of us expected us to win the game um it was you know a, a very tough fixture on paper um so i think beforehand everyone had their expectations you know in line i'd say but we got truly battered. Um, and guys, I know it's a couple of days since the game. So what we're not going to do on this podcast today, we're not going to go into intricate detail on all the various goals that we conceded. Firstly, because there's probably not enough time because there were so many of them. But also because <laughs> I'm sure that, you know, everyone's seen the game. Everyone's seen, seen the highlights. Everyone sort of wants to move on. We do want to talk about some of the more thematic issues. But guys, like just at a high level, how did you feel and how do you feel? <laughs> Oh, after um, after the game, after yeah, 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 yeah. With regards to the game specifically, not just about life. Put it this way: it was the first. You know, it was it was funny because I I was thinking about okay, like when we're preparing for this about okay, well, what if we have to talk about the goals? And after two 0 I couldn't actually tell you about the third, fourth, and fifth goal. Not because I wasn't watching, although I was very tempted to just switch off and be like, "Sod this." Um, but um, it all just merged into this big, like, mess of just rubbish. Just rubbish, <laughs> yeah. And um, I didn't really didn't want to watch the highlights of that one again. So I'm kind of glad we're not going through the goals again so far. But yeah, it was, like you said, it was one of those where we we knew we would lose. But you know, there's a way to lose. And there's a way not to lose. And actually, <laughs> there's a way to lose 5-0. And then there's a way we lost 5-0, right? Um, if we if we had played that game, you know, going forward, scoring some really, like not scoring, but creating chances and just, and Edison had made four or five good saves. And then we had done what we had done at the back or they just cut us open with five brilliant goals. Then you say, okay, well, it sucks, but yeah, that's kind of like the good way to lose five. No, and then there's doing what we did, which is 
like it it brought back a lot of memories this isn't the first time this team have have done this um and we can probably discuss that but yeah it was it was not good and i was yeah i was really annoyed and i and i question a lot of a lot of the things i've probably said on this on this kind of channel and podcast for the last you know six months or so that we've been doing it i question if how much of that i actually believe now well, I mean, just before going to Mize, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Because that, that's interesting. Because what, what 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 have you changed your mind on? Like, just the manager generally. I mean, I'm, I keep flip flopping between like one school of thought, which is okay. We lost to Chelsea, we lost to Man City, and we lost to, but we lost to Brentford, and that is bad in itself. But maybe only three points off where I would have expected to be, to have been. And we have a couple of injuries, but the other part of me is like, well, even if we get those three players back, are we really going to be where we want to be? Um, and are we going to experience, you know, is this really going to get better or is this because some of the things that are happening we've seen for a while. So how, like, is this the best that Arteta can do? Or like, how much, can it really get so much better? Because right now it's so, so bad. And if it gets a little bit better, that's where we were at the end of last season. But we know even the end of last season's football, that wasn't the best. We were winning, but it wasn't the best. So does it really get significantly better? And can it get significantly better from where we are now? Because we do need to get significantly better. And is Arteta the guy who can get us there with the number of problems both on the field and off the field going on. Yeah, what do you think, Mize? Can he? <laughs> Can he? Um, I'm losing confidence, to be honest. I am losing confidence. I, I'm not Arteta out. I haven't been Arteta out in his time at Arsenal. I think all, all of us have been pretty kind of fair in terms of our criticism. You know, none of us are kind of... Um, uh, these fans that jump on the bandwagon and, and uh, immediately want the managers changed. Um, however, yeah, I'm losing, uh, not patience, I guess I'm losing the, the faith that I had before a little bit. And yeah, I mean, look, Aaron and kind of, he's touched on it. He's uh, it probably, I could probably, um, I echo a lot of what he said. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to get behind what he's trying to do when, you can't really understand a lot of the, de- the decisions that he's making. You know, you're talking about going back to last season, you know, in-game decisions, substitutions, timing of substitutions, been quite odd. And then, you know, if you look at Saturday, for example, team selection and the setup, um, it, it, it's, like I said, it's hard to get behind when, what, you know, what are we actually trying to achieve? What's the identity? I don't think any Arsenal fan could say, you know, what is... Arteta trying to implement with this group of players um and, and that's a worry and I, and yeah like I said that the sort of team selection was really odd before the game um and even if you kind of look at it take take us take away the city game even take away the start of the season in terms of the, the games we played even if you look at it kind of from a level above and you look at some of the decisions that are being made with regards to players in players out um, you know, it's all it's all just a bit of a mess. You know, we're going to talk about it, I'm sure. But you know, the whole maintenance now situation today—that's kind of another pretty embarrassing um, moment for the club and for us as fans. Um, you know, all of these things seem to be just 
happening or have been happening a lot um, in the last few years. And yeah, it's just, it's, all, it's just become a bit of a shit show, really. It's just become a bit of a joke. Um, so yeah, I think for that reason, I mean, it's not just Arteta I'm necessarily losing faith in. I think it's just the, the whole, you know, the Edu, Arteta, um, Vinay, possibly um, leadership team, if you want to call it that. I'm just not sure they know basically know what they're doing or they've got the right level of experience considering the situation situation that we were in a couple of years ago and now the situation that we're in now, sorry. Uh, I'm not sure that these are the right guys to necessarily get us out of this hole, basically. Um, yeah. I mean, you could talk about it for ages, couldn't you? You could talk about it for ages. There's a lot more I could say, but um, yeah. 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 I think the realization I've had is that it's not one thing that's the reason. It's probably a little bit of about seven or eight different things. So one, the manager's tactical decisions aren't right. Two, the manager's personnel and decisions in terms of team selections probably aren't right. Number three, yeah, the players probably aren't letting themselves down, letting us down as well. Um, Four, the way we're signing players, the, the methodology around transfers over the last five or six years is probably coming back to bite us. Um, amongst a load of other things in terms of like how Arteta handles the squad, how he treats players who are on the periphery and the bizarre decisions. For example, Kolasinac, we decided last year that actually we don't want a backup left back. We'll just get rid of him because he's such a bad influence in the team or whatever. And now all of a sudden he's he's played two games in a row despite asking us to pay off his contract so he can leave. Um and actually, when when I was thinking about this, in terms of the back three that started, Kolasinac was probably the least terrible player on the day compared to Holding, compared to Chambers. Like, everyone goes on about Kolasinac. I was annoyed with Kolasinac, but Kolasinac didn't actually play that badly in the grand scheme of things compared to Holding and Chambers, who are the guys that we actually seem to want to keep. Um, so it's... It's a, it's a bit of a mess um, and it's not one single thing and everyone, especially on social media where you've got 140 characters to try and nail down this one reason why we are where we are. It's not one reason. It's about six or seven reasons. Yeah, the manager is a problem and you might be able to recover some of this by changing the manager. But even if you do, there are still going to be other reasons why a potential new manager may also struggle, but you kind of hope that if you do, he, this new manager can overcome those struggles a bit better than Arteta could. Yeah. Like you said, I think there's like six or seven things. Um, but I think a question that I pose back to you there and I'll, I will reserve my opinion until I've, I've heard yours, I guess, is that we, there's a lot of criticism understandably that's been on Arteta uh, and, and Edu uh, since the city game. And um, But when you look at the game itself, a lot of the players that have come under the biggest amount of flack from pundits and fans have been Xhaka, Chambers, Holding, Kolasnac, who are all from the Wenger era of signings. They're, they're almost the last remaining bunch of external players signed, I say externals in not coming through the academy, that were signed by Wenger. H- how much of that do you think is is a valid excuse for Arteta and Eddie to turn around and say, we're, we're, we're going through this big rebuild. We've, we've managed to get some people out. We've managed to get some people in, but there's still some way to go. And those guys who keep letting us down, they're not our players. How, how much do you think he can say that? 
might as well. I, I mean, yeah, I think I don't, I don't. I don't really think you can use that as an excuse um, or a reason for you know losing games or whatever. Whatever we call it, failure. Um, I think he's had. This is his fourth transfer. I could be wrong. Is this fourth, fourth window? Fourth window, right? Which it, it, you know, that's a uh, that's that's a decent number of windows to kind of shape the squad how you want to how you want to shape the squad. I appreciate that we've struggled to sell players, especially this summer. Well, actually, no. Going back the last couple of years, we've we've struggled to sell players that, like you said, Raj, have been brought in, in kind of under the Wenger in the Wenger era, some of them in the in the Emery era as well that Arteta obviously didn't didn't like, people like Torreira, Gunduzi, etc. And and it's been a big struggle and it's been a big overhaul and it's obviously therefore been a big job. Um however, you have to question like some of the decisions that have been made before you can necessarily say, well, these are all Wenger's players, so therefore, you know, let's wash our hands of it. You know, even if you look at say Rob Holding, I'm pretty sure it was Newcastle that wanted him was it six months ago, a year ago, whenever it was, and we decided to keep him, gave him a new contract. And I think they were offering fairly decent money for him at the time as well. Um, Callum Chambers, okay, fine. I don't think anyone's necessarily come in for him, but since he has been fit uh, since that West Ham game last season, you know, I'm sure he's the kind of player that a lot of Premier League clubs, you know, maybe down the lower end of the table, would look at. Obviously, he's done that on loan, Fulham, Borough, etc. And I'm sure that he would be quite an attractive option for them. So... You know, even when you look at Xhaka, we didn't sell to Roma because they didn't meet our asking price. And okay, fair enough. I'm not saying we should get completely mugged off, but he was, you know, he it was a it, that was the kind of move that you probably needed to make and take a loss on in terms of what you're asking for. Just not so much to you. You almost just have to, yeah, to accept the loss to move the club and move the. The, the mindset forward, if, if that makes sense. Going back to Xhaka and offering him a new contract, and loads of people have talked about this on Twitter, we've talked about it, it's just sending, it sends the wrong message. It, it doesn't really show much leadership. It doesn't show much direction. And it doesn't really show much of a plan. And, you know, for whatever, however much Roma were lowballing for him, for example, um, Surely that's in that particular example as well with Xhaka. That's the one we just say, well, look, you know, we're just going to have to bite the bullet. We're just going to have to take the 10, 12, 15 million euros, whatever it was that they're offering, because we need to change our central midfield up. We need to bring in someone different, whether that's a young player, whether that's a player from the, the academy or whatever it is, or we bring in a Basuma or whatever. That's an area that it was it hasn't worked. It just has not worked with him. And he demonstrated that again on on Saturday with with his with, with his red card. So like to answer your your question, Raj. No, I, I don't think I don't think you can use use that as an excuse. Those players, an excuse personally. I think I think he's had enough time to to make move them on or make a decision to say they're not going to be good enough. You go to Edu, you go to whoever's making these decisions. Say, look, for whatever whatever the cost is, whatever whatever we need to do to get rid of these players, we need to do, do that. And I know we've done that with like Mustafi and other players. We've we, we've paid them out, and we're probably going to have to do that for a, a few other players as well. Um, like Kalasa actually might have to pay him out on his contracts to get him out of the club. But uh, I don't know. They've been pretty cutthroat with a lot of players and there's these other players that seem to be substandard that they're still sticking with. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. Some of these players, like it's, it's getting to that point now where some of these players are Arteta's players. You know, Cedric, for example, who was awful on Saturday. Um, he joined when Arteta joined. 
right? Um, now, yes, that was in the time of the Sanyehi Edu era as well, and you know, but that that signing was a, a bit of a mess of a signing. We've given we gave him a four year contract, and and now in preseason he barely got a look in because he was third or fourth choice right back, and then all of a sudden he's starting away to City because. Um, because we we've decided that he is now the best player to start at right back for us in one of our toughest games of the season. So there's no consistency in the decision making on who he likes, who he doesn't like. There was a period where Gabriel, who is apparently one of the reasons we're not we're not defending well, when he got dropped because he had a few bad games. Pablo Marie, who Arteta signed, who was Arteta signing, right? Yeah. Um, who came in? Oh, I can't remember when. Um, he came in on a loan deemed, initially, didn't yeah. he? And then he was yeah, he came on loan, and yeah, he he was deemed not good enough to play because he had a shocker, and he did have a shocker. And we're playing Kolasinac now instead of Pablo Marie, who was Arteta's number two centre back. So you know, there's there's just so much inconsistency. Then the Jacker thing really annoys me because you know this isn't the first time that Jack has got sent off. It's not the second time. It's you know, it's probably not the third, fourth, or fifth time that he's done this. We know that Granite Xhaka is a player who for 70-80% of the season will have a reasonably decent game, help us with possession, keep us ticking along. But two or three times a season, he will do something that will cost us a game and cost us points. And he has done that consistently for the last four or five years. I mean, Myers, you shared an article where Wenger basically said, mm. this guy probably shouldn't tackle. Right? So this is 2016. Wenger is saying... 2017. Wenger is saying Granit Xhaka should not tackle. Right? And if we know this, Arteta knows this, right? And the management knows it. And therefore, when, when Granit Xhaka is making a mistake, that is a mistake that we have decided that's okay. We're willing to pay that price because we know Xhaka is going to make that mistake, but we're keeping him on because we think the benefits of keeping, keeping him here for another year of his reasonable midfield play is worth it. It's worth him doing these things because we know that it's not a surprise that he's done that. Um, is there something, uh, is there there something actually quite funny reflecting on it? The idea of a manager spending at that time was about 35 million, about 30, 35 million. I think we spent on Xhaka signing a central midfielder who's, who's a sitting central midfielder. He's not an attacking central midfielder (laughs) signing one and basically just going, yeah, I I know he can't tackle. I've told him not to tackle. Exactly. (laughs) It's a bit weird, isn't it? Actually. And and actually I know I was a bit annoyed with the ref because that red card, you could argue was maybe a bit harsh, but you could also see why he gave it. And you can definitely see that if you're Granite Xhaka, you know that if you go in with two feet, you're going to get sent off. There is no doubt about it. And you could argue how unfair or fair that is. But I know that, you know that. Granite Xhaka also knows that. Mm. Um, so ultimately, he's just been a bit of an idiot again. Um, and he will cost us points. He'll probably cost us points again. It's a bit like David Luiz, actually. David Luiz, great defender, but you know he's going to cost you six to ten points a season just by doing something stupid, and we got him out as well. Um, so, yeah, I am the consistency, and you can't... No manager can say, these aren't my players, because ultimately any manager come who comes in is expected to perform with the squad you have. And you, if you can't make the most out of your squad, it's very, it's almost very arrogant to say, these aren't my players. 
therefore I will not, I am not responsible for getting them to perform. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to accept some responsibility and ultimately you have to accept responsibility for the players that you pick and that you put onto the pitch. If you give Granite, if you, if you're starting Granite Xhaka instead of Lokonga, you're accepting the mistake that Granite Xhaka makes. Um, if you're, if you're starting, uh, Cedric at right back after having dropped him last season, brought him back in, dropped him or whatever over Bellerin chambers, whoever um, you're accepting the Cedric's performance. That's on, that's on him. Um, so I do think we will get better with better players, but that, that's obvious. Every manager and every team can say that. Um, so yeah, he does have to take quite a bit of responsibility. The question is, is that enough to see him get sacked? Um, and when is enough enough? That's that's a different question, but is he under pressure and is he responsible for some of the performances and the issues? Absolutely. A question I I guess built on that is: Are, are we in theory? Because I agree with everything you said, Aaron. In terms of, I, I don't think managers should be able to play the card of not everyone in this team is my signing. They should never play that, in my opinion. Um, but if we compare, let's cast our minds back to I think February twenty twenty one. So February of this year, we played Man City the last time when we were at home. We lost one nil. If you recall, uh, Sterling scored that headed goal in the second minute, right? I looked at the team sheet and Holding played that day. Pablo Mari played that day. I think El Nenny played that day with Shaka. Um, basically, arguably, a lot, of the, a lot of the players who played the other day, this Friday, sorry, this Saturday, just gone, played that game as well. Um, he set up with a back four, etc. Where I'm going with this is, is there an argument to say that we've gone backwards in some ways? Um, you know, we, we effectively have just got absolutely annihilated. And it felt like if we go back to February, you talked about a manner of losing. We only lost 1-0. We conceded in the second minute and actually found a way to just, I guess, survive until the 90th minute without, you know, you know until the end of the game without conceding more. And when you're 1-0 down, you're always in the game to some degree, aren't you? Uh, I mean, what do you guys think? Shouldn't he know these players, even if they aren't all his players? Shouldn't he know them better and what they're capable of, and be able to set them up in a in a better way, not a worse way? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we've necessarily gone backwards, um, but we definitely we're definitely standing still. Um, like, but there are signs. I think there are signs we're going back. There, are, it's too early to tell if it's a trend. But. In the first three games of the season, I think defensively we might be going backwards. Yeah, possibly. And then I guess then you throw into the equation or the argument, you know, we've not had Gabriel, we've not had Thomas Partey, yeah, etc. Yeah. And then, you know, so it's hard, it's quite hard to judge. It's quite hard to judge based on just three results when we've had so many key players missing. To say, you know, we're going backwards compared to how we finished the season last season. I know you're comparing two specific games against City this time around and last time around, Raj. But, you know, if you take sort of the back end of last season where things were looking quite positive and then you compare it to the three games so far this season, it's quite, do you know what I mean? It's quite hard to Mm. just say, yeah, things are going backwards. So that's why I kind of say, I don't think things have moved forward because the way, my reference point from last season is we had a, you know, obviously we had a poor first half, we had a good second half, so we sort of averaged her out of eight, eight position. The thing that I refer back to in my mind and makes me think that this just isn't working is the Villarreal second leg, where it was a game where we obviously had to win, we needed to score a goal, I think it was, was it a goal? I can't remember now, but I know we needed to score. Um, and that game was just so flat, um, you know, considering it was a European semi-final, as well, it was just a very, very flat performance. And 
it reminded me a lot of the three performances we've had so far this season. So from that perspective, like that's why I say we're definitely not moving forward um, based on what we've seen so far. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, like I said, we could talk about it for ages, right? But it's just really, really worrying. Um, it's just really worrying watching these games, especially the Brentford game and probably the Chelsea one, the two that you probably say we should compete We'd probably expect to compete a bit more in those two games, considering Brentford is Brentford. No disrespect, disrespect to them. Obviously, they were the better team on the night, but you know they they are a team that's, despite all that, got promoted last season. And and the Chelsea game being the first home game back after COVID with fans and everything, you know they're the two games that we both looked at and probably thought we expected a lot better performances. And you know the performances were poor, and this lack of identity is the thing that's massively worrying me. Like defensive mistakes can potentially be eradicated with good coaching or better players. But it seems like he's tried almost everything. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but he's, it seems like he's tried almost everything with the players he's got going forward. And we added Erdegaard to that as well now. I'm pretty sure that was after the Chelsea game. And there just doesn't seem to be... Like, if you watch us, right? If I turn this back to you, like Raj, for example, what, when you watch us trying to move the ball forward into dangerous areas and create chances. What do you, what would you like, how would you describe our, or that approach? What, how would you describe that tactical approach or what do you think we're, we're trying to do? Would you be able to? Honestly, I think normally when we, when we set up with our normal four at the back, it seems like he likes the idea of trying to get Tierney to overlap and get it to Tierney and whip in the low cross. Um, it we'll probably use Odegaard more now that he's here. But like you say, uh, if, if you look across the games this season, there's been no, there's been no pattern whatsoever, partly because the system's been different. If you look at like the game on Friday, absolutely, there's no, so I keep saying Friday on Saturday, there's absolutely nothing that I could say. I couldn't come up with any idea of what the attacking plan was that day. Um, aside from give the ball to ESR and see if he can carry it a little bit. And that was it. Um, so no, but I agree with your general point overall about what is he, what is he trying to do? At least when he started, when, when I said it took over, it seemed a bit clearer, didn't it? He, he kind of played a very specific kind of counter pressing system. And, um, but now, no, I can't see it. So I completely agree with that observation. I, I was just going to ask as well, just a slight um, segue, but, do you think like there was there was talk today? I think there was talk after the game that the players had an emergency meeting. I don't really know exactly what that means, um, but there was talk on Twitter today or yesterday that you know Arteta's lost the dressing room. And I know these things are going to come out. People are going to tweet this, and it's going to kind of spread because people like to talk about this kind of stuff and retweet this kind of stuff. But do you think there's any? Do you think there's any truth in that? And that links to some of the performances that we've seen so far this season. Like, do you, do you think the reason that when we watch these guys pick up the ball and you kind of expect to see, you know, Aubameyang making a run, Pepe making a run, quick movement, like, you know, just people trying their best to almost make something happen, considering we haven't scored a goal this season, we haven't really created many chances, and you don't see that third game in a row, uh, does that make you think? Because it makes me think, oh, shit, like, are these guys even playing for the manager anymore? Is it yeah. a situation where, you know, they're just they're just not trying as hard as they potentially could be, considering they are all international players. You know, they're all worth a lot of money. They're all, they've all shown they can do it at some stage in their career. Yeah, I think in a normal world, that would be my conclusion. The Maybe I'm kind of being too nice and too kind to Arteta, but 
the circumstances have been extraordinary in the fact that the Brentford game, we literally started without any strikers. Um, we had Saka that wasn't fully fit and we played Balogun and Martinelli. Martinelli just come back from Japan. Balogun has barely played or hasn't played any Premier League football. Then you get to Chelsea and, you know, the squad and the attack is still very much threadbare. And then you come to City where the, the players and the attack actually for the, you know, on paper were probably a bit more fit and probably as ready as a, you know, what we'd cl- say is close to first choice. But then, you know, we go down to 10 men after like 30 minutes and at that point the game's over and we really struggled to attack. But actually, and this is, you know, really kind of, what's the word, like, clutching a straw somewhat but for the first 10 minutes of that game we actually looked okay yeah. going forward. six minutes yeah we six did minutes. yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, before they scored um for those six minutes it was you know probably the best six minutes of football we've played all season so um you know there's there is an element of like you know maybe he deserves like he's got one more chance because of all these mitigating circumstances and that's why this norwich game is is really big from a performance point of view because if it's still dull and it's still dreary when we get our players back then I really will be concerned because then it's like how do you not have us working well attacking well because we said you know when we didn't make Europe this year the one benefit of not being in Europe is we can really prepare for these games we can have the perfect tactical plan our players can be ready at every opportunity to take advantage of any any mishaps, any, you know, any tiredness, any flaw in the game plan that the opposition may have. So, you know, it's time to start delivering on that. And that's why Norwich, I want to see us win and win comfortably. Otherwise, the pressure really will be on and anything else for me will feel like, you know, feel like a defeat. Myers, to build on your losing the dressing room kind of point, like I think that there's two ways of losing a dressing room. Um, and one is uh, arguably more dangerous than the other. Um, and I, I think that might be what's actually happening here. The, the, the other way, I think the, the, the most obvious way is like a manager loses the dressing room. Players don't tangibly don't get along with the manager. Yeah. yeah there are fallings out. There's bad blood. There's bad temper. Like there's just, you know, players don't want to play, consciously don't want to play for the manager. I think that's one element of losing the dressing room. I think the more dangerous way is when the players don't even, I don't, I don't get the impression that the players dislike Arteta and I don't get the impression that they want Arteta out necessarily. But I do get the impression that he's not necessarily getting through to them and he's not able to motivate them in the right way. And some managers do it through fear and shouting and whatever. Some managers do it through, I don't know, Harry Redknapp and you know, the style of just making, basically telling everyone they're the greatest in the world. But if I take some of the goals, for example, we could see it against Man City, even actually if we go to Chelsea, even if we go to Brentford goals, some of it for me just feels like effort and it feels like people just not jumping I know it sounds silly but like just not competing for balls not being so switched on and sometimes I see other managers like I see other teams I see like your Chelsea's or whatever who have players who have gone through various different managers some of those players Christensen for example is a good example of a player who I haven't always rated like I haven't always rated mm. through the years but I see him now under Tuchel and he's he's everywhere he's like uh, you know he's putting 150% out and I look at our guys and I go are they doing that for Arteta I think that's I, a concern for me I I don't think it's a question of effort. I don't think it's a question of 
um, you know, desire or want. I, I've genuinely believed that these players are, in the most part, doing their best. Um, I think it's a question of they're simply just not good enough to consistently perform over, you know, not maybe not three, four, five games, but over a season or two seasons. You know, someone like Callum Chambers is a perfect example of that. Rob Holding is another great example. Someone who will probably be okay for brief stints. You know, there was a part where I think Rob Holding said he thought he might get a sneak into the England World Cup squad, right? Um, but you look at them now and you think, well, you know, there's a reason you you just aren't, aren't good enough um, because you make mistakes like that. You know, the Chambers got out out jumped by Gundogan. <laughs> like, um, how does that happen? Um, yeah, but I was just going to say, mate, like, I, I, I do agree with you, but I guess leading on from what Raj was saying, if you took a look at the other end of the pitch, and that's probably where I was, I, my point was more, yeah, looking at the other end of the pitch and you look at some of the world-class, I say world-class, but, you know, whatever, like the Aubameyangs, the Lacazettes, the Pepes, um, the Jackers, even, you know, a lot of these players know, we know that they can put in a performance. And maybe it is, you know, I, this is the thing, like we know Aubameyang can do it for a whole season. We know Aubameyang has got an amazing goal scoring yeah. record, but he does, and we said it last season as well, he can sometimes look a bit disinterested. He can sometimes look a bit like, you know, like last season, I know he had like an off season for various reasons and you've got to take that into account. But there were times when the ball just wasn't even sticking. Like it was a very easy ball to control. It was coming into him and it was just bouncing mm. off him. Like he didn't look like, and, and, and I'm, I'm getting sidetracked a little bit, but the point I was trying to make is we, when you're in a position that we've been in, especially after the first game, the Brentford game, right? We lost a game that we should not have lost. And we put in a performance that we should not have put in considering it was the first game of the season. When you go into the home game against Chelsea, these players should be, completely like fired up whatever you want to call it like they should just be up for it london derby fans are back full stadium etc 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 and they just they weren't like they it was another very flat performance and then you can take that but is that, the, the is that because of effort or is that because of the coaching the game plan the tactic but and coaching game what plan, being... whatever the coaching the game plan is right at the end of the day i kind of feel like your game plan gets yeah okay of course that's key that's important it gets you to a certain point but then also, you're kind of uh, looking at certain players to just explode a little bit or to almost take a risk. Um, and I don't see this team doing that. And yeah, maybe they are being told, say, you know, told, you know, keep that, you know, um, what's the word? Yeah, handbrake down, basically handbrake on, whatever you want to call it. Like maybe they are being told, yeah. you know, no, don't try a 25-yard shot. Don't make that run. No, we want to keep passing it, you know, left and right until we get the get it out to Tierney, whatever it is. Like, I can, I can appreciate that. But I don't know, man. I just kind of feel like, I'm not saying that he's necessarily lost the dressing room, but there's a lot of stuff that's been coming out. We've been hearing loads. You hear loads of stuff and you don't know if some of it's true or not. And you've got to take some of it with a pinch of salt. But you've also got to look at it from, if you look at the last couple of years and look at a lot of the players that Arteta has clearly said, I don't fancy you or I don't like your attitude or I'm, you know, whatever it is. And the way he sort of treated certain players where you know, almost it's almost like they've they've done him wrong once, and then that's it. I'm you know I'm cutting you, and I want to get rid of you. The Guendouzis, the Terreras, the mm-hmm. Erzuls, 
Um, and if you're a player in the dressing room, if you're one, if you're in a Bamiyang or a Lacazette, and you're mates with these guys, even if you look at what's happened to uh, Maitland Niles today, even if you look at what maybe happened to Willock, like I'm not saying they're necessarily been treated badly. We don't really know, but you could potentially like if if you're a bunch of mates and a couple of your other mates are being are being told, yeah, like I spoke to the manager, he wants me out. That kind of disharmony starts to spread a little bit, and it's now getting to the point. Yeah. It feels like it's now getting to the point where two years on. It's now come. It's now getting exposed, or it's now kind of coming out with the Maitland Niles Instagram post today. You know, like as bad as that is, that kind of maybe shows where where Arteta is in terms of his like man management of the squad. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I and, and maybe that. Yeah, but I, th- I think they're two different things on the pitch. Uh, I I think they're two separate things. I think I'm beginning to question if Arteta tactically is exec- is coaching this team well. Um, because of what you said, Mike, like there are just so many examples there where we're just not taking risks. We're we're getting we have some really talented technical players who can take risks, who can play through passes, who can get on the end of things, and for whatever reason, we're not. Um, but I also and I I wonder if that's a tactic tactical issue or the way they're being coached to say, you know how this is how you play, and I don't. And I don't know how much of that is bad coaching or bad players executing the plan badly. Like another example is our pressing. When we when Arteta first came in, we were pressing really, really well. But there was a moment during the Man City game, and I think it was before their first goal, where Edison stepped out into the defense and no one knew what to do. Like the pressing, we do this weird thing now, which really annoys me, which is like half press where one or two people go and press. And everyone else sits back. And all that does, if you're going to press, you have to do it as a team, right? If one person does it and no one else does it, you just leave gaps all over the pit. And that's what happened with Edison. Isn't that, right? then, sorry, not to cut you off, but isn't that then kind of almost backing up what I'm saying, where some of the team are doing something, some of the team are doing something else. There's no kind of cohesiveness. But surely that's on the manager to be like, but that's press not, as a team. Yeah, but then right? if they're not listening. Yeah. If Aubameyang's like, no, fuck this. Are they not listening or is he just not doing it, coaching them well enough? I don't know. I don't know, mate. But you could be a Bamiyang sitting there being like, Lacazette's come over and said, yeah, they're not offering me a new deal and they're not letting me go. But, you know, whatever. Or Maitland Niles comes over and says, Everton have, Everton want me, but they're not letting me go. You know, and all of these kind of things, the Ozil thing and the Gwendouzi. Yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of, I just have this feeling that it's it's reaching a bit of a point now, like almost like a boiling point where some of these players like are, are, not willing to accept it anymore, almost. Like, you know, the way Arteta is yeah, yeah. very cutthroat with a lot of things. Even the, the Bamiyang missing the North London derby last season or being dropped from the North London derby, we're never going never to really know what the reason was. But it's obviously, obviously was a disciplinary thing. And yeah. it just doesn't seem like Arteta has... And again, maybe it's something he comes with experience. This is his first coaching job, first manager job. But it doesn't feel like he's able to deal with some of these situations or he has dealt with some of these situations as well as he could have. Or he just yeah, yeah I, I agree. I, you know, and, and I just I, feel like that's spreading in the squad a little bit. And then we're starting to see these really drab performances where they're going out on the pitch and they should be performing for the fans and for the club, but they're almost just, you know, going through the motions. Mm-hmm. Kind of what we saw at the end of the Wenger era as well. But at the same time, even at the end of the Wenger era, era, um, we still saw lots of chances being great. We still saw lots of goals going in at either end of the, of the pitch. So, um, yeah, it's, prob- it's probably a bit of everything, right? <laughs> And I think, just to quickly, but I do definitely agree with you what you said, Mize, which is the man management yeah. issue is 
definitely becoming more prevalent. Like we have the Maitland-Niles situation that came up today. Like the Torreira situation, what on earth happened there? When, um, like why on earth was he allowed to just basically skip preseason when he's a contracted player of Arsenal who's just come back from loan? Mm. Like, how is that? You know, look at Kolasinac. We were happy to give this guy away. He was supposed to be sold off and now he's playing two games. Why can't Torreira get a game here and there in a League Cup game? The Saliba situation, the Guendouzi situation, the Ozil situation, the, the Willock situation, the, you know, just the right-back situation, Bellerin, for example, another one, Leno, what's going on with Leno? These, there seems to be a recurring theme of... There are, a lot of, there are a lot of players whose futures at this club are just not very clear. And I don't know if that's just us looking from the outside, but it, it seems equally that, going by what Maitland Haas posted today, even the players are equally as confused as to where they stand with this manager in this club. Mm. Well, let's talk about that one because there's so many situations like you've listed off. And if we were to discuss all those individually, I mean, we'd, we'd be here for days. I'm yeah. sure, sure we'd happily do it, but um, no one would listen. But um, that one in particular, because something has happened today, um, which you've touched upon around Ainsley Maitland-Niles' Instagram post. So, you know, what, going back to one of the things we talked about really early in this podcast was about um, squad squad management and, you know, the, the ins and outs, etc. How have we got ourselves into a situation where we have four right backs, none of which the manager likes? <laughs> and um, one of those being Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who's basically now got to the point where on Instagram he's saying, he, subtext, I'm fed up, let me go, I just want to play football. Mm. Right? Yeah. Um, what, what, what do we think? Because there's and so then, many guess, things that scream out with that, right? There's, there's that, oh my God, how has a player been allowed to do that or thought it was, a, it was a good thing to do that? So there's stuff about the player. Then there's the stuff about saying, how has Arteta created a, a dressing room where someone can do that? All that kind of stuff. I mean, thoughts, guys. Well, I guess the, the other thing to add is then about half an hour later, David Ornstein dropping the story that Ainsley Maitland-Niles came back from loan and decided to commit to playing right back mm-hmm. and told Arteta that he was happy to play right back all of a sudden, which is... yeah. Yeah, a very interesting sub. This sub, is that, this well. is what I mean. It's, it seems like it's almost like Arte- it's like it's done now with Arteta, where he's obviously gone to Arteta and said, "I want to play central midfield." Arteta said, "No, we'll send you out on loan." He's gone out on loan, hasn't really worked out. Whatever, didn't didn't really impress or stand out. He's come back, maybe decided after that experience, yeah, okay, I'll stick with fullback. And Arteta's gone. Well, your chance has gone. Sorry, that's kind of how it feels from the outside. Mm-hmm. Um, Roger, keen mm-hmm. to get you. I appreciate that you, you know you've been um, asking a lot of the questions. Keen to get your thoughts on it already. But to be honest, it is that I, I, I'm not sympathetic towards Ainsley Maitland-Niles um, because it feels like I know we will never know the true story of a lot of these things. We'll never know the true story about Ozil situation. We'll never know about Torreira. We'll never know all the ins and outs. But with Maitland-Niles, it really feels like he, you know, he really wanted to play in central midfield. He went to West Brom to play in central midfield, rejecting offers from Leicester and Southampton because he wanted to play in CM. Even Sam Allardyce, who never backs up Arsenal on anything, basically said after the loan finished, didn't he? He said, look, I think if I was Maitland-Niles, I'd just play wherever the hell I was told to play. Um, we we know that he has previous... We, we know he has said he wants to play in central midfield. Now, David Ornstein is now saying this season, he said he wants to play right back, but... I, I, I'm kind of with you, Mize, on that. I, I feel like Arteta might be turning around saying, all right, mate, where were you when I needed you? I needed you to play right back. And you said you didn't want to play right back. But To counter that as yeah, well. Yeah, fine. But we we still need a right back now. This is a crazy situation, to, right? We need a right back. Yeah. It's obvious we need a right back. We're going into the market looking for a right back. I was going to... I was just going to... Surely if you're Arteta, like, what what do you do now? You can either be like, 
well, I'm just going to alienate another player, a young player, or I can just solve one of my problems, solve one of his problems and move on. And the funny part is he's, he came on, right? He came on once. Mm. He came against Brentford. So he's, he's making appearances now. I don't know where he's, he's played sort of all over the place, largely in midfield, I think. Um, so surely manager says, right, you've learned your lesson. Fair enough, you're not going to be first choice, but you are going to be second choice right back at this club. And the, the other and thing is, you move on. he played yeah. left wing back in the cup semi-final and final. He did, yeah. And he's mm. obviously done Arteta a favour, maybe not a favour, but you know, he's always gone into a position he's not familiar with. And, you know, end result is we've won the FA Cup. So, yeah. you know, you kind of, that should build up some credit with Arteta as well. Um, feels like it. There's the other thing, Mize, where like, so that's all true, but there is other stuff, again, the stuff that we might not know, which is disciplinary stuff. Because yeah, yeah. We, we, one of the things we know, because Ainsley Maitland-Nald admitted it in an interview, was that he has turned up late for training at least once and was disciplined for it, right? So yeah. he, he even said that himself. He said, oh, it happened once. We don't know. It might have happened more than that. There may be things that Arteta has said, do you know what? Like, I can't. I have to punish this guy. Now, the thing I do feel a little bit sorry for Maitland-Nald is a little bit is... It seems like, you know, it seems like part of the reason why we're not letting him go is because we now don't want Bellerin to go to Barcelona because Barcelona might let Emerson go to Tottenham and he's getting caught up, therefore, in this, like, side drama where we're effectively kind of, you know, I, I don't know, just trying to not not kick off a chain reaction of events. Um, and if if that's the case, if if really you know we're we're keeping him because we're just a little bit worried, we we don't know how that situation will play out. I feel a bit sorry for him there. Um, but you know, I, I mean, I would have to agree with the general point. I think that you said, Aaron, and before, which is, I think he's in the very least our second best right back on paper. Um, yeah. So it's tough. It is tough. Yeah, yeah. I I think he is is a player who has been very badly advised. Yeah. Um, because ultimately, even if you are a bit annoyed, you don't go and post it on Instagram like that. And, you know, you might be right. Um, there are ways of dealing with that situation. Um, yeah. And by posting on Instagram, you're not, you're not doing yourself any favors. Um, he, he just needs some, he needs some good advice, but at the same time, he's in a very difficult situation. So I do have a bit of sympathy for him, but it's, well, this is impossible to know because we're only hearing one side of the story. And like you said, we don't know what kind of disciplinary issues he's had, having. Maybe it'll come out all in the Amazon documentary, yeah? yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, as well, just really, yeah, just really quickly on the mail announcing as well. We, I'm sure, I could be wrong, we got offers for him last summer, was it? Hmm. Decent there was money. a story at Man United being interested as well at one point, right? Was there? I remember, was it yeah. Wolves? Wolves wanted him? Wolves were definitely interested. And, you know, like this is, again, it just comes back to the management, the squad management, transfer decisions, you know. Like they've done it with Willock. They've taken the money um, and they've got good money for him and they've sold him at a high, basically. They've sold him at the highest point they probably could ever sell Willock for unless he ended up playing a season for us and did absolutely amazing. So they've kind of done well on that. Maybe they're learning. But, yeah, if you look at some of these other decisions, holding, Maitland-Niles, Xhaka, you could argue as well, a few other players like... They just they just haven't got it right yet. Just haven't got it right so far. I feel. Mm. And I think, guys, you know, we are we've got the international break coming up. We are going to do another episode before the next game against against Norwich. Um, so we will at that point have the window closed, 
right? The window will have closed by then, and it closes uh, for for us anyway uh, at the end of day tomorrow. So it's still possible that a lot of things can happen. By the time we release this podcast, you know, Ainsley Maitland-Niles <laughs> may have got other players may have gone. What do we? What do we? Fundamentally, though, do we think that? Um, and, and, and Aaron, and actually, maybe you want to expand because during this episode, I see you've just messaged that Williams leaving has been made official. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. he's, he's there's, lo- there's lots of PR going on about how he's done the noble thing and sacrificed his contract and all that. I suspect that's probably agent talk. Um, but yeah, it doesn't sound like we've paid him at least completely to leave. Hmm. But yeah, certainly it's positive. At least he's. Yeah, you know, we say thank you. He was never. Yeah, I say, you know, well done. We took a gamble, William, for whatever reason. Didn't work out, but at least we've moved on from that quickly. Uh, Agree. And I think, you know, although let's just say hypothetically, he has agreed to completely, you know, terminate his contract and, and, you know, walk away and and take this guy. To a certain extent, you know what? Like, I sort of think, all right, fine. That in some ways is a relatively noble thing to do. But also, He's probably also thinking, well, genuinely, I'm not going to play in this team. Like, mm-hmm. the manager clearly doesn't rate me. So I can I can take the money and basically not play football for two years. Or I can actually, like, I've probably, he's probably made enough money. He's probably got a, a shed yeah. load of money. So I think, actually, I quite like to actually play football for two years. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, what? May, maybe it is genuinely just one of these cases where he wants to play football. He knows he's not going to get it in for, from us. In some ways, I'm... You know, I'm, uh, I, I am very well. Not in some ways; in all ways, I'm pretty happy that this story has come to an end. Um, although I was, I did see the rationale in signing him in the first place, and I was obviously wrong. Um, but um, again, like him, do you see the same thing happening with anyone else? Kalasnach, you know, well, we thought uh, I thought he had his contract terminated a couple of weeks ago, but you know, suddenly he shows up in our last two games. Um, <laughs> so, could it maybe Torreira is going to come back next game? You never know. Um, you never know. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a few there's a few rumors floating around. Um, incidentally, there's a there's a rumor floating around on Twitter that AFC Bell has tweeted that something it was very cryptic. That basically something big is going to happen, might happen in the next few hours, that will question how the club is being run. I mean, mm. like I don't, I feel a bit like I'm not sure I can even report the tweets of uh, an Arabic Bell, but. That is Arsenal Twitter, but let's let's see where that comes to. I don't think we can really discuss it much because that's literally all it says. Um, but he also tweeted just before about El Neni. I think he said that El Neni moving to Galatasaray. Yeah, there's there's loads of players. Like I said, I think yeah. um, there are yeah pretty much like ten to twelve players that I wouldn't be upset if they left in the next twenty four hours, as long as we get reasonable value for them. We don't need a, as big a squad. We simply have a too big a squad. So mm. not all of these players need to be replaced. If Reese Nelson goes, he has gone. Doesn't need to be he's replaced. Gone. Oh, is, is he, that official now? He's gone to Feyenoord on loan. Yeah, oh, is that confirmed? Okay, well, Reese Nelson's gone. Um, william has gone now. We, these players don't need to be replaced. Um, but we do need to sort out the right back situation. We do need to sort out the midfield, and the striker situation itself needs resolving as well because we've got currently four players there. Um, but there's probably three or four that we don't actually want here in the long run. Do you um do you guys think if Bellerin leaves today tomorrow, and if Nas does get a move, do you think we sign a right back, or do you think we go Chambers? Oh Can you imagine? So you think we'll Chambers Cedric going to season with Cedric? Oh my god, <laughs> Tavares, <laughs> Tavares, left back slash right back. 
if genuine if question that happens I don't know. after if that happens after what what happened at city i think that's that's bordering on on negligence <laughs> um you can't do that but okay so when so if you Just think keep, keep bellerin and play bellerin that's what i would do well, he's not he's bellerin not is not great like, no he's not yeah, great but yeah. but, but bellerin's not, not going to play now right we know that bellerin's kind of is he not? What? Why? I, just, I don't know. I don't know. But he's, exactly. he's not played. It's just a another mystery season. of a player that isn't in and out of the squad for whatever reason, right? Unless they knew um, that the move, a move with him was going to happen, and maybe they've been trying to get a target. They're trying to secure a target before they announce he's gone. I, I don't know. I'm not sure, but he's definitely out of favour, or for whatever reason, he's not. He's just not going to get any minutes. Like, as in, he's like last choice right back, pretty much, isn't? Yeah, he? yeah. Would you mm. not argue? If the club have said actually, like looking at Chambers and looking at Cedric, that we can do. These two guys are right backs for the rest of the season. There is something very, very wrong about how we're doing. Coaching. I mean, Suarez is not go- is not going anywhere. No one's going to come in and bid even a million pound for Suarez. Right? No, so, fine, but and, leave and, him as if he said Cedric is second choice. I'd be like, okay, fine. That's a bit like I don't really rate him, but as a second choice, fine. Hmm. But then, who is our number one right back for the rest? It looks of like it's going to be Chambers, Chambers then, right? Oh, sounds like it. Because I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this Emerson deal from Barcelona to Tottenham happens. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Barcelona came in and just loaned Bellerin for a year. As a, you know, he's from Barcelona. Like they can't yeah, really yeah. afford to do much. They, they might just do that, and he might be happy to do it. Because like, you know, like you guys are so really, like, he's clearly so out of favor to the point where like you know he's just nowhere to be seen almost. I can't imagine him being reintegrated just because we couldn't sell him. Like I, I think the danger is is that as a so not to circle back to Shaka, but you know we had this debate on on WhatsApp, and I have to say my my mind has changed now, and I'm more in agreement with you guys than I was when we discussed it. Which is that we discussed whether we should have sold Shaka for effectively a cut price, you know, fee for something that. Yep. You know, and I said at the time, I was like, I don't think we should have done that. I think we, sh- you know, we were right to hold out to the. But the fact is, it was so clear that he wanted to go. I mean, he even said it. He had that interview where he, you know, he was asked about his move, and and he said something to words, something around the word, uh, words to the effect: "Rome is a nice city. Rome is a nice city. Yeah. You know, the club know what I want to do." In Italian or something like that. Wasn't it? Something yeah, yeah. like this. So you, <laughs> so you know, he wants to go, and now he's playing for Arsenal. And he's it's starting captain. for Arsenal, and, yeah. yeah, and, it was and you know, Batman wasn't playing, yeah, yeah, and he, and he gets another. You kind of go, and, and now the problem is, anytime Xhaka does something bad, it's going to be even worse from the, you know, from a fan's perspective. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to be, and so Bellerin, in a similar way, we know that he doesn't want to be there. He absolutely know he doesn't want to be there. So if he turns up on the pitch and doesn't put a, a great performance, we're all going to be so toxic. Like even if we verb, look, we we're not the sorts of fans who who will be verbally toxic in the stands but we will feel it i'm sure like i will certainly i'll be there going does he even really want to be there is that why he's not performing because he, he you know he doesn't want to be there and, that, and if you have more than if you have one player acting that way it's terrible if you have more than one geez that's a terrible place to be yeah no i can't can't disagree with that i yeah it would just shows like you they told us all summer there's a plan and if that plan meant we're get we're we're willing to be happy with Callum Chambers as our right back for the season. Um, then it's not a very good plan, in my opinion. Um, so let's, yeah, let, let's see, 
Let's see. We, a, a lot can happen. A lot can happen. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but I was just going to say, because reminiscent of when we lost 8-2 to Man United and that crazy, crazy transfer window, which involved on deadline day, randomly signing Mikel Arteta. You know, out of, out of nowhere. Do you remember that window? Was and that Andre was, Santos. Was, well, was, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yossi Benayoun. Yossi Benayoun. Exactly. And I wonder, I wonder, you know, could they, I want to say do a madness, can, but, you know, will, will there be something unexpected? I think if there is something unexpected, I feel like it It'll would be, be in that right back. But yeah. It would probably, would be, you know, will they, will they randomly just try and, do you, you know, if they can get, get a couple of these guys out online, will they go from Max Aaron, someone like that? I don't know. Do you think um, there's a chance we might go, because there was a tweet from, I think, a fairly reputable guy, I can't remember who it was, saying that Liverpool, United, Spurs and Arsenal all interested in getting Basuma before... Transfer window closes and, and Brighton are willing to sell him for around thirty-five million pounds euros. I'm not sure. Do you, do you think? Do you think they might look at? I don't know. Do you think that's like a deal that they might look at doing, especially if El Nenny goes? And apparently, we wanted him earlier in the summer. Well, anyway. Jack is injured. Jack is injured for the next. Oh, sorry, Jack is suspended for the next three games. Right. That means we're literally no, going to be running with no party. Yeah, party. Party well. should be back after the international break. Oh, in January. But yeah. Afcon. Afcon. Yeah. Yeah, I just meant just literally for the next three games, we're going to be really short in central midfield, right? And we've loaned disease out, haven't we? So, loaned disease yeah. out, yeah. Like, I'm just thinking, yeah, exactly. Loan disease out. If El Nene's potentially out, obviously, Jack, a big question mark over him anyway. Wakonga's still pretty young. Do you think they might look at strengthening there? They might just look at someone should established. They, yes. and... will, should they? Absolutely. But will they? I don't think so. And, and, uh, and do you know what? Obviously, I think we'd all be happy if we sign. Basuma, but you'd have to say that again that's an epic failure of management during a transfer window where at the beginning of the window it seemed pretty clear that central midfield was a position that we'd like to strengthen and it felt like Basuma was almost actively touting it felt like his agent was actually yeah. trying to trying to you know tout to, you know trying to trying to get a move basically and then like to leave it until deadline day to pull off something like that fine I'd, I'd rather we did it than we didn't but then I would to be honest guys like I I that may be the nail in the coffin for me as to whether I think that Edu has any con- real control or real plan over, you know, over what's going on. Because um, at the moment, I'm still in this frame of mind where I'm willing to see how this season pans out. And, you know, when people come back to fitness and, you know, et cetera, I'm, 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 I'm still willing to see that. But I don't know how many more incidents of just randomness I can take without feeling that there is just no control whatsoever. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I I've always been a bit skeptical of, of Edu just because of the connections that he had with Kia and how he came in. And, um, you know, he, he was very much part of that whole Raul saga as well, but he somehow survived that bit because he was like relatively new. So I, I, I've always said, let's judge at the end of the window. We're becoming very close to the end of this window. So let's, Let's judge, um, and maybe in our next podcast we can we can do that judgment and pass that judgment. Do you um, question? Do you guys believe? Do you guys think Arteta will last a season? So when we discussed this in the last pod, um, I don't think my mind has changed since then necessarily. Um, I think that he won't last the season, um, but I think that. Um, he, he, he's not going to get sacked during this kind of yeah, during yeah. during this break. I I, I think he, he he won't. I desperately want him to last. I want him to do well. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I just can't. I can't see. I just can't see how suddenly we really start. 
we need to win so much to fix exactly we need to win a lot of our upcoming games for it Mm -hmm. to even be close to to the points tally that we had last season after 10 games which last season we we've, we've talked about it was a disaster so he's got he's, he's really swimming up straight and I can't, we haven't scored a goal guys do you know what i mean like it's i can't see yeah, it can't see i agree it. i think we can talk about these next four games or whatever we've got uh, norwich burnley away burnley then the league cup game against afc wimbledon and then spurs mm. right or, yeah. or something like that maybe around then um i honestly think he needs four wins yeah I agree with you. <laughs> I think anything less than four wins and he is and four convincing wins, maybe not against Spurs, but four convincing wins showing that, are, that we're finally making progress on how we want to so, play when we have our players fit. Yeah. Um, even if it's two scrappy one nil wins, I think that's uh, what, arguably what, not good enough. What happened to the performance? You know, performances are more important at this stage than results. Aaron. Yeah, that's what I meant, right? Oh, no, you just said two scrappy yeah, so one even if wins, we win. it'll be fine. No, no, I said it won't be fine. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay, that's, I'll blame that yeah, on yeah, inter- so I think, international uh, connection. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think two, two scrappy 1-0 wins, if we're not playing good attacking football, and it's still this dull, dismal... Let's just say we score two goals from... Yeah, one's a set-piece goal or a penalty, and the other's another goal or something say, like that, and we win. Say it's four, four um, scrappy wins, yeah? No manager's getting sacked yeah. after four wins. No. Whether, however bad they are. no. They, I don't think he will get sacked, but you could argue that we're not making progress and therefore he should get sacked. Okay. So do you think he will last the season, Aaron? I want him to. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I think we've said this a few times. I will really like him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We really like him. But I, I can't see how he turns this around. Mm. It has to be at where, what basis of... He like where have we seen this turnaround? We haven't seen this turnaround before. We haven't really been playing the kind of football that we think should be acceptable. So where is it going to come from? It's not like we're going back to something that we used to do. He has to find a new level, hmm. and there's no evidence that he, he can find this new level. And that's kind of why a lot of people are like, I don't think he can. And that's a fair decision. If you think he should be sacked, it's basically because you are now convinced that he's not going to get us to that level. Um. I think he deserves maybe one more chance because of the injuries and the kind of crazy set of circumstances that have led to these first couple of games and the zero points so far. But if he can't do it in the next three games, then you kind of just have to say thank you very much. But part, it's it's just not working. Part of the reason why I think that he won't last is because I think the board will look at this still. I know they've backed him up in the market. Don't get me wrong. I think so. Therefore, I think they are investing. But I think they will look at this and go the squad is good enough to finish top six. Like it's good enough to finish top six when we don't have any Europe. And I think if we go into this patch of games and let's say if we don't beat Norwich, they will have, surely there'll be a moment where they'll go, do you know what? Honestly, a new manager could come in and very easily just get a squad, the squad that we have good enough to be top six, not not top four, like preparing for basically one game a week they might think that's good and they might think the financial incentive and the, you know, all that kind of stuff is worth it. Um, so I, I, I think I'm with you in that. I think results are what's going to be important to the board, but I think they'll absolutely, I think if he, if he wins one, I think they don't care. They'll any excuse to keep him. I think they'll do it. Yeah. Um, but I think honestly, if we don't win, if we don't beat Norwich, he's in a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. I was going to ask that next. What, what do you think happens if we don't beat Norwich? But, 
Do you think he goes? Do you think he gets sacked straight after the game, like immediately after? Oh, I mean, mate, do, I... do they do they wait until Burnley for whatever reason to see what happens? But why? Why wait? No, no, so I'm asking. What do you think happens if he, so? If we don't, let's just say we we draw or lose to Norwich. <sighs> Come on, I mean, losing to Norwich at home after we've lost to Brentford away mm. is is an inexcusable. Mm. No, if it was beat them, he has to beat them. Yeah. He's not um, a new manager. He's not a new. He's not new to this team. Like he, there's only so many concessions yeah. we can give. He has to beat Norwich, and I, even if there are injuries, the team that we put out against City should be good enough to beat to beat Norwich. Yeah, at home. Completely agree. Completely. And maybe that's a good place to leave it for now. Look, because I think um, you know we are going to be doing another episode before the Norwich game. We can talk about it a little bit more if our if our views have changed and and assess the squad situation there as well i have a feeling there's going to be some funny twists and turns over the next two yeah months. yeah let's um, let's get this out so do you know what i mean comes exactly, out exactly exactly <laughs> exactly so let's do that quickly so look Fine, yeah we've signed messy tomorrow something like that uh, <laughs> you know who i think we might go for i think we might go for um or oh yeah i think i think it'll be it'll be an odd one because it seems like he's not a player that we need but i think arteta might be a bit in, in a bit of a kind of in, in a bit of desperation mode, almost a, a signing to lift the spirits a little bit. And we know his cut price. Fabrizio tweeted saying he's been offered to Tottenham and Spurs, uh, Tottenham, Spurs, Tottenham and Arsenal. Keep an eye on this one. I think he tweeted that last week, and I just feel like that might be a deadline day one. You know, Leon and all French teams seem to need the money um, as well. So I don't know. That might be one. I think that. Do you remember? Sorry, when you said that, it just made me think. When I. That we obviously weren't doing the podcast then, but we were talking about last January when we were saying, oh, um, or sorry, last summer even, we were saying, how funny would it be if we just triggered Thomas Partey's release course tomorrow? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were like, what if they're doing when I was sitting there? Just thinking, yeah. Let's <laughs> 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 just give it 50 million. <laughs> we go and do that. And did. Didn't um, <laughs> So my, I'm interested in what your prediction is for maybe maybe that's it tomorrow. No, let's do that. Let, let, let's wrap this up. Let's let's wrap this show up by that. What is our what is our deadline day prediction? What do we think is going to happen in next in the next 24 hours plus? Uh, so you, my, I like what you said. I like my, your our, our thing is a good is a good one. I think. Uh, I'm trying to think of something crazy, but I can't. I think. I think we might. I, I won't say I think we'll sign a right back. But that's not very crazy. Is that no? no just go. Think, just go with yeah. I mean, if that's what you think. Yeah, I think we'll. I think we'll sign a right back. Who? Who do you um, think will sign? A good right back. I have no idea. I don't know any right. Good right back. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> a good right. A good right back. Not yeah. a crap one. Yeah, yeah, yeah a crap one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, can, I can give you about four or five of crap ones just at Arsenal alone. But, um, no, I don't know. I mean, my um, my scouting knowledge of yeah you know, European continental right backs is is Imagine not we ideal. Sign, uh, <laughs> Bertrand Bertrand to play right back. I think Aaron and heart attack. My okay. My my prediction is though we are going to be very very unhappy this time tomorrow. Wow, we're just going to be annoyed and angry um, because. I don't trust the people running this club to do what is needed to give us a team to really compete this year. So I think it's going to be another season of making do with what we have with, and 
the caveat is we do have we have made some good signings, but ultimately we'll will still be compromised in a number of positions where we either take gambles on fitness, gambles on people not getting injured, or gambles on players like Chambers, Cedric, for example, to come good. So I think after the start we've had, they're in a like I said, a kind of a bit of a desperation panic mode. And I think they're gonna to look tomorrow for signings or one or two signings where they're going to kind of appease the fans a little bit and players that can just come straight in. Obviously, they've gone for a certain age profile with the signs they've made. I think they're going to maybe look at ready-made options that can come straight in. I think right-back and mid-central midfield are the obvious ones. I'm not, like Aaron said, I can't really think of any right-backs apart from like Max Aaron's. There's probably loads in Europe um, uh, that they've, they've maybe looked at. But I think OR is the one that they might look at trying to get done. Um, and try yeah. and get him on a bit of a cut price deal. And I think there will be quite a few outgoings. Like Raj, you said, Reese Nelson's done. Um, Enketi, I think they're going to have to... Enketi or Balogun, like one of the two really... Yeah, yeah. Line. Like, it just doesn't... I think, I think it might be Balogun. Yeah. Just because he seems... Yeah. I'd... But if you're... I mean, look, we can talk about, again, we can talk about this for ages, but if you're Eddie Enketi yeah. and you're like, I've got a deal with Palace read, like, pretty much done, and for whatever reason, like, I don't know if there was a reason confirmed as to why that hasn't gone through today, and now they're looking at Edward at Celtic. Um, like It sounds like it might be like negotiation. Uh, and I think they'll come back from the catcher because I can't imagine Celtic selling their star striker on deadline day. But hasn't he, mm. hasn't he been linked for the last like 12, 18 months to Premier League teams? Like even after? He, he has. Yeah. He has, man. But like... As in without... I, 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 yeah, that's, that's all I'm saying. Deadline day, that's mm. it. So Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to start declining bids. And oh, let's not get into this, but... Yeah. Yeah, let's. I think there will be surprises. I think there'll be, like I said, hopefully three or four outgoings. I think Bellerin might be one of them. Kalasinac, probably. Who else would go? And then, yeah, just Maitland Niles, Inkatia. More Pelican. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I pretty much agree with all that. I, I, I don't, I can't see how you keep Maitland Niles. After the Instagram post, I think that just it's just a bit weird. Um, so I, I, I think he'll go. I think pretty much I pretty much agree with what he said. I, I I actually agree with you, Mike. Like I hadn't thought about that before. I think OR is like a really plausible thing because you know that that's a player that they clearly liked for a couple of seasons. For one reason or another, they've chosen not to pull the trigger. There have been some concerns, I think, floating around around behavioural stuff. Uh, uh, it, behavioural concerns being the reason why basically no club has gone for him. I wonder whether they just go, we need to bite the bullet and th- the fans will probably be happy. And to be honest with Xhaka's kind of, with Xhaka's suspension and et cetera, I think they, they might well do that. So yeah, I can't see Basuma. I can't see Brighton selling Basuma on, on this late notice. Um, yeah. Uh, It'd be great though. Yeah. It'd be great. Basuma yeah. would be a fantastic deadline day signer. That would be, I'd be very, very happy with Basuma. I think we all would, right? Like, that's the type of signing that we need to try and just lift the mood of this club. Yeah. To actually say, look, we need, we know we needed a step change and here is another first team player. Yeah. Agreed to help us do that. But I don't, I don't see it happening. Well, watch this space. Um, okay, guys, thank you uh, both of you, especially you, Mice. Thank you. Real dedication, mate. You know, like I know you'd rather be, Boozing. Well, you are boozing it up, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, you need it when you talk about these Exactly. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your time and cheers, lads. It's a good chat. These connections dropping out there. Sorry. Um, just on time. Yeah, just on time. <laughs> um, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers, mate. Like, thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you, Aaron. And, and okay, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Um, we will talk to you uh, next week when we may or may not have a number of our players and we may or may not have one or two more. We'll see. All right. See you later. See you. Bye. 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 Bye.